Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. How many loves Jesus? Come on, the old song says, He ain't never, never done me nothing. Done me nothing but good. Even when I thought He didn't know where I was at. How many is thankful God's in control this morning? You know, we live in a confusing world. But I'm glad God doesn't get confused. And I'm glad God's not a U.S. citizen. I'm glad God is God. And He's not a respecter of persons. And He said, whosoever will, let him come drink of the waters of life freely. That means everybody in the building has the same opportunity. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to Webster. And we're going to have a move of the Holy Ghost in Webster. Hallelujah. There was a story of four boys who loved their mother dearly. These four gentlemen grew up and became very successful in their life. And for their mother's 95th birthday, the father had passed on and it was mom who was left and they loved her and they wanted to let her know how much they loved her. So the first son, who was a building contractor and he built large, luxurious homes, said, I'm going to build her the largest house. So he built his mother this magnificent mansion. And as he was talking with the other brothers, they were trying to find out what what each one was going to do and what each one did. And the second one said, well, I I love technology. And so I I went inside that home and I filled it with all of the latest gadgets and electronics and anything that's out there, she's got it in her home. Third son said, well, I'm a lawyer and I see what lawyers drive and I got her a Mercedes convertible. All the bells and whistles. I got got mom this convertible. So they asked the fourth son, who loved the Lord dearly and served God with all of his heart, said, what did you get, mom? He said, well, I couldn't build her a house. didn't have that kind of money. I don't know much about electronics, and certainly I couldn't get a Mercedes, but I I got something that that outdoes everything y'all got, mom. He said, well, what would you get, Mom? He said, I got, Mom, a parrot that could quote the whole Bible. He said, he said, it took seven preachers ten years to put all of this in that parrot. And you could say the chapter and the verse, and that parrot could spit it out. There's not a parrot like it on the face of the earth. He said, I think Mom's going to like this gift more than everything else. So time goes on, and six, eight months later, Mom sat down one day and said, I need to write a note to my children and let them know how much I appreciate all of their gifts. So she started with the first one and said, Son, this is a beautiful house. There's not a house like it anywhere on the face of the earth. It's so luxurious and lavish and big and beautiful. And, and I love this home, but, Son, I'm 95 years old, and I'm feeble, and I pretty much just live in one little room with this big old house. It's, kind of a waste and but thank you anyhow she went to the second son she wrote again to write a note said son i've got all of this stuff in my house and i don't know how to use it 
Plus, I lost my hearing. I can't hear nothing. But it was a good thought. Thank you for all, all that you put in this home. And went to the third son and she wrote a note and said, Son, I've never had a car as beautiful as this Mercedes convertible. But I can't drive anymore, son. And, and this car has just been sitting in this garage collecting dust. And you might as well come get it and sell it or do so. I can't do anything with it, but thank you anyhow. So she got to the fourth son and she began to write and said, Oh, my son. Out of all the gifts I received, yours was the best gift. I love that gift. That chicken was so delicious. You know, sometimes it, it's a confusing world, and, and we can get disillusioned, but I'm thankful that we serve the God as the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it doesn't matter how confused the world gets. We serve a God that's on the throne. Yeah. Hallelujah. The book of Acts, chapter number 20. I do feel a word from the Lord this morning, and I believe God wants to help somebody in this place today. I give honor to your pastor, and I know that y'all are in the process of making things bigger and better. Amen. You got it's all in how you look at it. Making things bigger and better, and when you come out of this thing, you're going to be, I'm not going to say you're going to be thankful. You're going to be thankful it's over. Amen. But I believe God is doing great things. Verse number 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued in his speech until midnight. There were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together, and there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. His life is in him. Contrary to what everybody says, I'm seeing something different. His life. I want to preach a little while. Hell can't kill what won't die. Hell can't kill what won't die. Would you lift your hands this morning to heaven and ask the Lord to speak to your heart. Lord Jesus, for every person in this building, regardless of where we come, regardless of what walks of life we have taken, I believe that we have one thing in common, and that is everybody here desires to be touched by the hand of the Master. I pray, Lord, your word would speak, your word would minister, that you would do a work in people's hearts and minds and lives, and we thank you for it today. We believe you're going to do great things, and everybody claps their hands unto the Lord today. Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Lord bless you. You can be seated today. Hell can't kill what won't die. Surely today the landscape of this world has reached a point where the picture is marred by political unrest, societal scandal, relational friction, gender identity crisis, and authoritative Abuse. Perhaps we can now glean some insight into what the writer 
had in mind when he said perilous times shall come. We are living in those times, but behind the scenes, beyond what you can see with your eye and you can comprehend with your mind, there is one who's known as the enemy of your soul, and he is relentless in his attack. Chaos and confusion follow in his wake, and he aims today to divide your family to deny your spiritual advancement, and to defeat you in any way possible. Please be aware today, the Bible says, that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Know that his greatest weapon in this war is to remove all hope. Because if he can make you hopeless... If he can remove any glimmer of hope, any light at the end of the tunnel, if he can get in your mind and mess with your thoughts and convince you that you have to accept the cards that are dealt, that there is no way anything can change, and he he can convince you to give up. Why do you think so many people are throwing in the towel? It's not that they didn't have money. It's not that they didn't have notoriety. It's not that they didn't have, by the world's standards, a successful life. But somewhere in the recesses of their mind, the enemy got in their mind and took away their hope. And they deemed life hopeless. They deemed their circumstances hopeless. They accepted that their past was too great, that their problem was too large, that what they were going through was too impossible. Indeed, if society could speak today, it would scream the word hopeless. But can I stand this morning and tell someone today, contrary to what the world says, There is hope. It's not in what a world can do. It's not in what money can do. It's not in what notoriety can do. But it's in Jesus Christ. He is the hope of glory. Come on, clap your hands if you believe it this morning. Hallelujah. We know today that death is the result of sin. Death was not in God's original blueprint. Death was not by God's design. But it was the byproduct of wrongdoing that happened in the Garden of Eden. And it was there that Adam died spiritually. Adam, in the day that you eat this fruit, you're going to die. Well, we know that Adam died. He didn't die physically because he went on and he produced children. But he, he, he died spiritually. What is a spiritual death? It is separation from God. When you remove something from its source of life, it dies. When you take a fish out of its source of life, it dies. When you take a plant out of its soil, which is its source of life, it dies. And so when Adam ate that fruit, he was removed from his source of life, which was God. And so all of that time in the Old Testament, 
people were removed from their source of life, which was God, the Spirit of God, who God was. And so only God could bring reconciliation. Only God can restore or put that plant back in the ground or or put that fish back in the water to make that connection back with the source of life, which is God. It was Jesus who said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and not just exist, but that they could have it more abundantly. Come on, let me just pause here and hit on this for a moment. I am tired of seeing people who've been living for God for years who can't put their smile on their face and act like they got something worth living for. Honey, have you got the Holy Ghost in you? Jesus said, I've given them life more abundantly. Come on, this is the greatest thing that you've ever had in this world. The enemy's goal is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But God says, I want to reverse what happened in the Garden of Eden. I want to bring correction to what happened, the error in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says when he ascended up on high, he led captivity or rather, let's break it down, the ability to be bound. He took that and he locked it up. And it was through the power of the Holy Ghost that we can overcome, that we can live a life of victory. You see, the opportunity was given to everybody, whosoever will. God set the bar so low that everybody has the same opportunity. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how many times you messed up. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you think you have made. God said, whosoever. That means anybody that's ever breathed their first breath can have the same opportunity. You see, hell throughout the Old Testament always had the upper hand. Because sin could not be remitted. It could only be rolled back. So the cloud lingered over his people. They could never escape the clutches of their past. They could never walk in total victory because next year those, those sins were going to be right back there. And then we got to deal with this again. But all the Old Testament, hell had the upper hand. But when, when Jesus came and, and, and he died and he gave his spirit, the pendulum swung from one extreme to the other. And the home court advantage shifted from hell to heaven. And now anybody who who has access to the Spirit of God, which is everybody, can now walk in victory. Watch this. Ephesians 2 and 1 says, And you hath he quickened. You know what that means? That means to be made alive. And you hath he made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and your sins in your wrongdoing, in your
your mess-ups, in your rebellion, we are begotten by the Word. And so when the Word came forth into your spirit, Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So when the Word goes forth, it's as a seed planted in the soil of your soul. And that Word is going to bring forth life. And so when I come to God and I recognize my wrongdoing and I respond to the Word, what God is doing is He's going to change my nature when I receive the Holy Ghost. When I get that Spirit inside of me, why do you think Jesus said, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. you got to catch this. Because the Spirit that God puts in us is the only thing that hell couldn't keep down. The Spirit of God is the only thing that hell encountered that he couldn't conquer. When he ascended on high, he went to the he went and got the keys of death, hell of the grave. And for three days, it looked like everything was normal. But there was something that that got up. There was something that hell couldn't keep down, and that is the spirit of Almighty God. So when God put His Spirit in you, what He put in you was the ability to get back up. Y'all going to make me preach this morning. You say, preacher, how am I going to make it another day? Because what God put in you can't be kept down. What God put inside of you is something that hell can't kill. Clap your hands under the Lord if you believe it. What are you saying? I'm saying your greatest days are not behind you. They're ahead of you. Your greatest song hasn't been sang. You still got to sing it. Your greatest chapter hasn't been written. We know today that it is through the power of the Holy Ghost and it is a necessity If I'm going to walk in victory, I cannot do it in my flesh. The writer said, in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. The writer said, I put no confidence in my flesh. Because we have seen through public display and throughout media and throughout your life, you have seen people who tried to do it on their own. And it ends up in misery. So I I can't live in victory in this flesh. You're not going to find happiness in this flesh. You're not going to find peace of mind in this flesh and in this world. Your money is not going to bring happiness. Your your notoriety, your job, your position, all all of the things that the world is pushing, saying this is is, is where you're going to find fulfillment. You're not going to find fulfillment in none of that. The only way that you're going to live in victory is you're going to have to have the power of the Holy Ghost in your life operating on a daily basis. And it is there that I receive a new identity. I'm thankful today that the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, this conversion process does not mean that hell leaves us alone. That'd be nice if you got in the ship and you didn't have to worry about it. But in fact, it's the opposite. Because when you change ranks, you become a target. And when you swap sides, the the enemy knows that you have swapped sides. 
And so thus, he does everything he can to try to stop you and to try to hinder you. Were you saying everything's attack of hell? Preacher, no, I'm not saying that. Because there's something that we call life. But I do believe in spiritual opposition. And I do know this. And I've seen it time and time again. Anybody that really tries to make up in their mind that they're going to be who God's called them to be, you can go ahead and watch. Something's going to start happening. They're going to face opposition. Because the enemy doesn't open the door for you to advance spiritually. He shuts the door and tries to stop you from becoming who God's called you to be. You see, we find in our text today, Eutychus. And I believe there are Eutychuses all over the church world. You see, this was basically just a church service. And Paul was preaching until midnight. I don't even think I'd be there if I preached till midnight. Paul was preaching until midnight. And it was there on the third loft in the third window that on the third floor he was sitting in a window and, and Eutychus was a part of the congregation. Now, this was after the day of Pentecost. So the Bible doesn't tell us if he had the Holy Ghost or if he was just somebody there observing, but there is a possibility that he did have the Holy Ghost. We can conclude that because it's after the day of Pentecost. So he's in a church service, and as Paul preached, he grew tired, and he fell down from the third loft toward the outside of the church. And they took him up dead. They rolled him off. No hope. Yet Paul ran down and fell on him and embraced him and said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. And it was the power of that last statement that birthed what I feel in my spirit today. Because we all know what it's like to fall. We all know what it's like to get knocked down. We all know what it's like whether we've had the Holy Ghost or we've never had the Holy Ghost. Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And everybody in this building knows what it's like to get knocked off balance. Something come your way that you wasn't expecting and you fail. And it's there while we're laying there that we think that it's over. That the fall was too great. But can I just declare this morning that your fall is not final. What you're facing right now is not the end of it. But rather my friend there's an opportunity that we have today to show hell and everybody else around us that I can brush myself off and I can learn from my mistakes and I can be who God has called me to be. You see, today is your opportunity to get back up. Today is your opportunity to say, you know what, I have made mistakes. I have done things that I'm not proud of. I have walked in places that I, I never saw myself walking. But that is not going to define who I am. I'm going to allow today to define my destiny. I'm going to be who God has purposed me to be. You see, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you've got the only thing that hell can't kill. Because it won't die. It's already proven that you can't kill it. It is the spirit of almighty God. You say, preacher, how can I make it another day? Be strong in the Lord. Not of yourself. Not in what you can do. Not in what you can comprehend. But be strong in who God is. And in the power of his might. And in his grace. And in his mercy, you say, how am I going to make it? Jesus. How am I going to face another day? Jesus. How am I going to be who God's called me to be? 
Jesus. How am I going to get past the shame and the ridicule? Jesus. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. You see, if I'm going to be who God's called me to be, I can't have a reputation. If I'm going to be like Christ, I can't worry about what people think about me. I can't worry about anybody around me. If he had a reputation, Calvary would not be possible. But he could hang on Calvary because he wasn't worried about what people thought about I love you, but I'm not going to let your opinion stop me from becoming who God called me to be. I'm not going to let your opinion stop me from accessing my calling and my purpose and who God has purposed me to be. You see, he fell off the third story. And it was the church people. You got to watch them church people. I'll get in your way. Come on, you know, y'all know, I'm just joking here. Kind of, not really, but think about it. It was the church people that ran down there and they rode them off. No hope. He's fallen too far. Made too many mistakes. Everybody in the church came down there and they signed and sealed his fate. No, no, no. But there, there, there was Paul. He said, no, see, I, I see what y'all are seeing. You church people, you can, somebody messes up and y'all write them off. But let me tell you what I see in the Holy Ghost. I'm not seeing his past. I'm not seeing his problems. I'm not seeing everything that defined who he was. But there is life. There is something still active in him. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I have seen people time and time again, and you and I, they come to God, and they do good for a little while, and then they go the way of the world, and then they come to God again, and it's like a revolving door. And there was one time in my life when I was a youth pastor, I I had some young people who were getting older but weren't getting more mature, and they were stuck in that cycle. And, and I, I, I got to talk. I ain't praying with them. This is getting old. I'm just being honest. They're just, they're frustrating the grace of God. They're frustrating the mercy of God. And all this, and I, so I'd work myself up and I'd see them in that church bawling and, and, and crying. And they'd come to God and I, I'd sit there and I'd fight. I ain't praying with them. Oh, they're on their own today. I've done prayed and spit and slobbered enough over them. And so, and finally the Lord would convict me and say, He would tell them, Tyler, you never know. You never know. He could come as soon as that person prays through. And the grace of God would say that person that came at the 11th hour is the same with the first hour. Honey, it ain't my ability. It ain't my responsibility to sort them out. It's my responsibility to help them get to the altar and help them live for God. It's not our responsibility to write anybody off. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there's hope for everybody. Don't let the opinions of some and the opinions of man determine your position in him. You can't can't let people's opinions stop you from becoming who God's called you to be. You say, well, what are they going to say? I've I've done this and I've been gone this long and I've done that. Who cares? Who cares? Honey, I'd rather be saved than accepted by man. 
I'd rather, I'd rather have the approval of God than the applause of men. I don't care if you don't want to go eat with me. I don't care if you judge me. I want to be saved. What's so hard about wanting to be saved? I want to be saved. I have seen people get bent out of shape because they were so worried about what everybody else thought about them. I don't care what mistakes you have made. God does. I was preaching at church one time, and this lady came up to me, and she said, I'm a crack addict and a prostitute. I said, honey, I don't care, and neither does God. That just makes for a really good testimony. We, we, get, we get so bit out of shape over how far somebody's fallen, how many mistakes they have made. Uh, if they have got a determination, they can get back up, uh, and they can be who God has purposed them to be. You see, if there is hope for a tree, there's hope for you and me. The Bible says, for there is hope of a tree if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, that the tender branch thereof will not cease. If God cares so much about a tree, that he would put something in that tree, that in spite of the storms that blow, in spite of the circumstances it faces, something could come that way and, and knock it down. But something is in that tree. What's in that tree? Hope. Hope. That something will spring forth again. And you say, preacher, I've been knocked down. I, I've made mistakes. I've done all this kind of stuff. If God cared so much about a tree, he never put his hands on a tree. Humanity is the only thing that God formed with his hands. The rest he spoke. If he, if he did that for a tree, how much more hope is there this morning for people in this building who you've been struggling? You've been struggling with your purpose. You've been struggling with who you are in God. You've been struggling with your direction. Can I talk in the Holy Ghost for a little bit? You've been struggling with becoming who God is, who you feel. You feel something in here, but your mind is limiting what you feel. With your mind, your mind is trying to, to deter you from no, responding to what you know is, is what God wants for you. If there's that much hope for a tree, I believe this morning there's hope for you and me. There's hope for everybody in this building this morning that we can access the mind of God and, and, and who God wants us to be. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the spider taketh hold with her hand and is in king's palaces. That spider, from its very infancy, is taught how to build webs. And, and so that spider begins to work with her hands and, her, and, and, and takes hold and, and does everything and builds this beautiful thing that they dreamed about and they, they worked for. But you know, something unexpected could come along and rip everything down that that spider worked for. But there's something embedded in the heart of that spider. It doesn't matter what storms blow. It doesn't matter what comes by its way unexpected and rips it down. What does the spider do? She takes hold with her hands again. And she said, I'm not deterred. I'm going to keep building. I'm going to keep dreaming. I may have been knocked down. And sooner or later, that spider's going to make it to the king's palace. Because she's got the ability to get back up. Stand with me this morning all over the building.
today, preacher. You're going to get back up. How am I going to be who God's called me to be after my mistakes and the times that I've turned my back on God and I've walked away and I've done things that I know I'm not supposed to do? You're going to get back up. That's that Spirit of God that is in you. You say, well, it's been a long time since I've prayed through. It's been a long time since I've had the power of God operating in my life. Paul told us the secret. You take a glass of tea and you pour water and you pour sugar in it. You stir it up. It's going to taste sweet. But you let that sit for a long time and all that sugar is going to go to the bottom. And it's just going to taste like unsweet tea. It no longer affects the contents of the glass. So you've got to take something and stir it up. And when you begin to stir it, it begins to work again in your life. And so also, Timothy, stir up the gift. Don't let it lie dormant because if you let it lie dormant, it won't affect your thinking. It won't affect your hands. It won't affect your feet like it once did. So I say this morning, as we lift our hands and we close our eyes all over this building from front to back, everybody here, I want you to start talking to the Lord. I believe this morning everybody here has the same opportunity. When I open this altar in just a moment, everybody here is going to step out of that pew and we're going to make our way to God today as a sign of faith and we're going to say you know what doesn't matter where I've been doesn't matter what I've been through doesn't matter what I'm facing right now I have an opportunity today hell can't kill what won't give up hell can't kill what won't die and we have an opportunity today to say you know what I'm getting back up I'm getting back up I'm going to be who God's called me to be I'm going to be who God's purposed me to be I wonder today as I open the front of this building, I wonder if we can step out of our pew and make our way down to an altar. Everybody here today, as a sign of faith towards God, you know what? I'm getting back up. There's strength here today. If you need strength, I want you to come down here and lift your hands. If you need direction, I want you to come down here and begin to talk to God. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what hell's whispered in your ear. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life and in your mind. What matters today is that we respond to the call of God. Come on, that's beautiful. Everybody, can we make our way down to the front of the building? Come on, everybody here, I want you to reach out to God today. I want you to reach out to God today all over. All over. There's hope here. There's hope here. There's strength here. There's power here. There's direction here. Come on, let's cry out to God this morning.